So the first reading this morning is from um, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. The second reading is taken from Acts, chapter 4, verses 23 to 31. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you had anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord... Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you're here with us this morning. And we've come to worship you and let you be king of our lives. And now we're bold to say, would you speak to us through your word? Send your Holy Spirit to help me as I speak. And help all of us to have soft hearts that we'll receive from you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, from week to week, in rather a spontaneous fashion, I sort of decide on a Monday what I'm going to be preaching about the following Sunday. I'm doing that at the moment because with these COVID restrictions so fluid but ever imposing on our lives, I'm keen to be speaking into our situation. And we've looked at all sorts of different aspects, haven't we, on how to do this, that and the other while the world is shaking. And it seemed to me that I ought to speak today about how to pray. How do you pray? How are you praying at this time when the world is shaking? And whenever I preach on anything like prayer, anything about prayer, I remember a story which by its very nature is obviously apocryphal about St. Peter standing by the pearly gates when one day a vicar arrives at the same time as a bus driver. You have to be careful when you're telling your story 
uh, not to make the bus driver either a man or a woman. So refer to as they as we go forward. And the vicar is, I suppose we shouldn't make them a man or a woman either. The vicar, the vicar is very upset because St. Peter shows the bus driver straight to the front of a VIP queue and he or she gets sent to the back of a rather long queue. And when eventually this vicar gets alongside St. Peter, they ask him, well, how come? And they're told, well, you see, when you preached, the congregation slept. But when they drove, the passengers prayed. <laughs> and, and there is an aspect to prayer that it is, it is caught rather more than taught. But nevertheless, uh, some teaching on the subject, some focus on it, I, I hope will just elevate our prayer life just one notch. And wouldn't it be good to be assured in the middle of what's becoming a rather drawn-out crisis, wouldn't it be good to know that we can pray? We are more and more effective at prayer. I think it could help us a lot. I think it would be a tremendous comfort to us. I think it will change the outcome of a pandemic, potentially, and it could improve our relationship with God, which is not at all to say it would be easy, but it is to say it will be worthwhile. So what we're going to do is just drop in on a number of people's prayer lives and see if we can learn one or two points from their examples. And the first place we're going to drop in is the psalm that we had read. So I don't know if you've got access to a Bible on your phone or tablet or whatever. Psalm 121. Psalm 121. And I want us to notice from, as we visit this prayer of David's, let's notice how the prayer starts. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And the very simple point that I'm focusing on is exactly that. Where is your focus when you start to pray? And this is a tremendous battle for most of us, to get our focus right. Here's quite a well-known example of someone who gets their focus completely wrong. Hush, hush, whisper who dares. Christopher Robin is saying his prayers. God bless mummy, I know that's right. Wasn't it fun in the bath tonight? The cold so cold and the hot so hot. God bless daddy, I quite forgot. If I open my fingers a little bit more, I can see nanny's dressing gown on the door. It's a beautiful blue. It hasn't a hood. Oh, God bless nanny and make her good. Mine has a hood. And if I lie in bed and put my hood right over my head and I shut my eyes and I curl up small, nobody knows I'm here at all. Etc. And what a pathetic prayer. Uh, absolutely useless. Because it's not focused at all on the right place. But actually, horribly, it might quite well represent our prayers from time to time. It might not be nanny in the dressing gown with our mind strays on, but it could be all over the place. And we shouldn't belittle how difficult it is to focus when you're in pain and when you're in trouble and how our eyes naturally go down and naturally turn in. Which is why I'm 
reminding us that the start of this psalm is the opposite. I lift my eyes up to the hills because that's where my help comes from. When Michael Ramsey was Archbishop of Canterbury, he was once asked how long he prayed every day. And he said rather mischievously, two minutes. And then the person who asked him that looked a bit shocked and he said, yes, two minutes. It takes me 28 minutes to get there. Focus, focus. And with all of the pressing news with coronavirus and all that the newspapers tell us and the television tell us and our conversations tell us, it's hard to get our eyes up to the hills where our hope comes from. And sometimes, in fact, I just mentioned this, sometimes there'll be situations where you can't do it. Where you're so exhausted, where maybe you're ill yourself, that like the person in Mark chapter 2, we have to be carried by other friends close to Jesus Christ. But we do have to lift our eyes up. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So that's the first tip. Get your focus on the right thing. Lift up your eyes to the Lord. And second from this psalm, remember, God is here to help. God is here to help. Now, it's a track record of God's people, both in the Old Testament and the New, that we bring that in question to him many times. You'll remember the disciples actually said to Jesus face to face, don't you care if we drown? When he was asleep in the boat and they thought they were going to sink. And many a time, as I say in the scriptures, you will find that the people of God say that to the Lord. Well, if that's what you're thinking, it's, it's, it's okay to say it. But he does care. He does care. With an illustration um, which actually quite well illustrates the dilemma we find ourselves in. Again, it's a story that can't be true, but it's a good, it's a good story to make a point about the man who was walking along the top of a cliff edge. And of course, he did what everyone does in these kind of stories, and he slipped off the end. And he grabs onto a whatever he's flailing about, and it turns out that he grabs onto the branches of a tree, still dangling miles and miles above the, the ground, as it were. And he cries out, God, help! And amazingly, a voice from heaven says, well, yes, I'll help, but first I've got a couple of questions for you. Well, you can't negotiate in these kind of situations. So God asks him this question, do I love you? And the fellow is quite relieved because it seems quite a simple question to answer. And he says, yes, of course you love me. And God says, do you trust me? And the implied required answer is yes. So the fellow says, yes, of course I trust you. And then God says, well, let go of that tree then. And that's our dilemma. That is our dilemma. Even those of us who know that we're followers of Jesus Christ, day by day by day, God's saying to us, do I love you? Do you trust me? Well, let go and let me then. And what this psalm, Psalm 121, says time and time and time again is God is here to help. My help comes even from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. Do you remember that in Luke chapter 7, verse 16, people said of Jesus after he raised the widow of Nain's child from the dead, 
God has come to help his people. God has come to help his people. Christmas time we'll be remembering Emmanuel, God with us. He won't let your foot slip. He won't go to sleep on the job, verse 4. He won't let harm come to you day or night, verse 7. The Lord will watch over your coming and going now and forever, verse 8. He's come to help us. Now at this point, let's have a reality check. Because it's just pointless pointing to these verses if they don't actually intersect with our lives. Do you believe it? Do I believe it? And I think many of us struggle at this point because we think, okay, God cares, God sees, but hasn't he got enough on his plate? Surely he doesn't need to hear my load of troubles too, does he? And what I think this misunderstands or fails to take on board is this. God literally is almighty. When I give a blessing at the end of a service and we say, may the blessing of God almighty, literally we're saying the almighty God, his power is not diminished and his capacity is not small. So it's not like you and me, you know, we might have endless requests on our entry and we know we can only deal with a certain number and one more could sink a ship. But it's not like that with God. He has an infinite amount of power, an infinite capacity. So one more prayer here or there, one more prayer from Rupert about something trivial doesn't mean that he can't deal with who's going to win the American election or whatever. He has infinite, infinite capacity. And so, of course, I agree with you. Some things are more important than others. But we don't have to work out what's more important than others. That's up to the Lord. And actually, he doesn't think like that anyway. He asks us to share our hearts with him. Our help could come from the Lord. Will you let it? And actually, before we leave Psalm 121, which you're probably very familiar with, the phrase I particularly love and don't want us to forget is a phrase that is most often repeated in this psalm. Five times. Five times. He who watches over you. I love that. He who watches over you. When you're praying, the Lord's seen everything. He's seen everything that's going on in your life. Verse 3, he watches over you and he won't go to sleep on the job. Verse 4, he watches over Israel so that your foot won't slip. Verse 5, he watches over you to protect you from the sun and the moon. Verse 7, he watches over your life to keep you from all harm. Verse 8, he'll watch over your coming and your going. And surely if this phrase means anything, and I think it means a lot, it means God is close. God is close because there'd be no point in him seeing all of this if he wasn't able to intervene and change things. God cares and he makes a difference. So when we're asked, let go of that tree, we can let go of that tree. He cares. So follow-up question. Would you be prepared to share with the Lord the reality of your situation? What's really going on in your life? What's really bothering you? Whether it's private or public, big or small. What's causing your world to shake, as it were? Whether it's a relationship 
that you wish was more healthy or your business or your work or your lack of work or your finances or your loneliness or your anxiety or the things that you love which are going well and you're so grateful for. Might it be that this talk comes at a time when your prayer life is a bit stale or dried up or repetitive or non-existent and it's actually been a long time since you've prayed like this. Well, that's fine. Insofar as maybe this is a little reminder, you could start again. I find when my prayer life gets stale that writing my prayers is quite a help. I find when my prayer life is a bit superficial, it's quite good. I got this idea from a book I read about prayer to start on the left-hand page yesterday and then write down a few things about yesterday and then on the right-hand page, and this is how I felt. And it forces a certain reality. But I want to lift up my eyes to the hills where my help comes from. Okay, the second place we're going to visit in our uh, tour of prayer is Acts chapter 4. And again, it's the very, very beginning of this prayer that I, I want us to focus on. I happen to think that the first two words of this prayer, one of the most remarkable uh, words spoken at the beginning of a prayer. In Greek, it's only one word. And the word is sovereign Lord. And why it's so remarkable is because Peter and John and the disciples are absolutely backed into a corner. Everything that they wanted to happen has not happened. And they've walked through a chapter after chapter of darkness they never saw coming around the corner. They've seen Jesus, their friend, their Lord, excruciatingly tortured, humiliated, crucified. At the hands of a Sanhedrin. The very same group of people that Peter and John have just come from right before this prayer. And that group of of leaders has threatened them silly and told them, you're not to speak in the name of Jesus. It's, It's time you stop this, just put a sock in it and go home and forget everything that you're talking about. And of course, they absolutely don't do that. They They go into the marketplace, they preach about Jesus, they insist there's no other name by which we can be saved. And then they gather together and they pray. And they start their prayer, Sovereign Lord. And what this teaches me about prayer in an extreme situation is we need to get to a place where we trust God is in charge even when you can't make sense of what's going on. It's not easy, but it is true. Sovereign, sovereign Lord. And they're united in this prayer. And later on in the prayer, they actually unpick recent events. And this is how they say it. They reflect on the mockery of the trial that Jesus endured. They reflect on his crucifixion. They reflect on the unholy alliance of the combined forces that led to the cross. And then they say, Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel conspired against your holy servant Jesus, and they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. I think that's amazing. And we're not saying that God 
caused coronavirus or purposed it, but he has allowed it. And we can say about, and we do learn to say about any and every situation, Sovereign Lord, I'm choosing to trust you, even in this mess. I remember getting a telephone call from a, a quite close friend a couple of years ago. He was a young man in his early 30s, and he had two young children. And he rang me from hospital in Cambridge, and he said, Rupert, um, please can you come to hospital? I just cycled off to Addenbrooke's because I had a stomach ache. That was this morning. I left my bicycle in the car park, fully expecting to go home, and they've told me that I've got inoperable stage four cancer. And I cycled up to see him, and um, we agreed together, someone I knew extremely well, we agreed together that whatever happened, we were going to pray Sovereign Lord. We were going to agree the Lord was in charge of this, what to us was a dreadful situation. And there are times in our lives where we just need to do this. The Lord is sovereign. As I've said before, they don't play musical chairs in heaven. He is always the lamb upon the throne. So our prayers can begin, sovereign Lord. Let me give you another example of someone praying like this uh, from the Old Testament this time. Uh, This comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. When people have gone to a man called Jehoshaphat and they've told him, well, I'll quote it, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. And they're backed into a corner and we're told the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. They came from every town to seek him. And this is how they prayed, how Jehoshaphat prayed. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who's in heaven? You rule over all kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Don't you think that's exactly what sovereign Lord means? And his prayer actually went on, and I'm going to um, give you a little bit more because it mentions the word plague, and plague is pretty close to what I think the world is suffering. Your people have built a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we'll stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we'll cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. And then listen to another bit of his prayer, because I think this exactly sums up how many of us feel when we pray today about our situation. We have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Sovereign Lord. Another way of putting this, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. This is good news. Can't see you behind your mask, but I hope you're smiling at this. You know, the Lord doesn't look down and think, oh no, coronavirus just hitting another country really, really hard. I'm losing this battle. The Lord reigns. We can choose to submit this situation, our situation, our country, other countries, under the Lord's hand. As the verse right at the end of Psalm 46 puts it, be still and know that I am God. Just because we feel powerless doesn't mean God is powerless. 
we can be still and know that God is God. Okay, the next place of prayer we're going to visit is Jesus praying under pressure in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's recorded in Luke chapter 22. And I'll just read you a few verses from verse 39. Then Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. And then you know how the prayer goes on and he prays, not my will, but yours be done. And I just want to pluck out two points which could be helpful to us. Jesus went out as usual to pray in the Mount of Olives. And we will find it an enormous help if we can graft prayer into our lives so it becomes usual. If we can do that when the going is good, then when the going gets tough, it won't be a foreign exercise to us. Some of you know that um, in April, I found myself in an ambulance being taken off to Annenbrook's Hospital myself, actually. And um, I had coronavirus. My son had coronavirus. And I found myself um, being told that they were going to put me into a coma and on a ventilator. And many, many people have asked me since, so what was that like? Um, Did you think God was with you? Did you see a bright white light? No, I'm very happy to tell you I did not see a bright white light. But what I felt actually was so grateful that God and I are in the habit of talking to each other. That prayer is part of my life. Prayer is almost too formal a word for it. But every day does start with time spent alone with the Lord. And it has done for years. Not just because I'm a vicar and you expect vicars to pray. I used to do that before I was a vicar. And an insurance broker. And you don't expect them to pray to you. But, of course you do. It's much easier, as Jesus found, to go out and pray when you're under pressure if you have built up some kind of a habit of praying when you're not under pressure. So it's never too late to start. You know, there's no point regretting all those days where you've missed your chance to pray. Let's start today. And don't start with something enormous like, I'm going to pray for an hour today. If If you've not been praying for a very long time three minutes of prayers better than the three minutes you didn't have yesterday but make it a habit and personally just personally I I find it my prayer life increases a lot when I go to a a particular place to pray what I mean by that is I happen to be one of those people for whom walking and talking is, is a struggle a bit like some people can't think and chew gum at the same time if, if I'm walking my mind is all over the place so actually to focus in prayer I need to be still and I've only been in London for about six weeks but I am developing a place in the house where I sit in a particular chair and I pray and I know if I get to that chair on a certain time the chances of me actually praying that day are significantly better than if I don't so I have a place of prayer and it's for most of us not too difficult to develop one place you can go to to pray. And a time of day where you know that you'll pray. And again, you know, I, I find by the end of the day, I'm absolutely exhausted. So I don't give God the portion at the end of the day because that would be insulting to him. But I give him the, the beginning of the day. All this is just very, very practical, very, very basic. But it rapidly 
uh, develops a much better prayer life if you're a bit planned about it. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. Do you have a place which is going to become your usual place of prayer during coronavirus? And then, of course, he gets to a place where he can pray, not my will but yours be done. And that's a place each of us needs to find ourselves in. We have to get to a place where we've exhausted our wish list and are happy to say to the Lord, and actually preferably before our wish list, not my will but yours be done. Let me just add, I've noticed over recent years that many, many people are like me in that we didn't grow up in a house of prayer. If you've been preaching in this church or a member of this church a hundred years ago, most likely family prayers would have been built into the ritual of life. But it's not at all uncommon to find that people come to Christ and, like me, they have no model of prayer at all. It's like starting with a clean slate. And that's one reason I happen to think that when churches pray together, it's incredibly valuable because we learn from each other what prayer can be like. And so if this whole prayer dynamic is actually a bit foreign to you, I would suggest that you plug into what St. Michael's is doing when we have prayer meetings. And these days, because we're doing it all via Zoom, it's even easier than it ever has been. You don't have to make it out to any place physically. And, of course, you... None of us probably go to a prayer meeting saying, oh great, I'm going to learn how to pray. But that is how we learn how to pray. Right, the last person we're going to look at in prayer is you. You and me. How's it going? Is it going at all? Do you lift your eyes up? Do you trust that the Lord can be your helper? Have you made him sovereign Lord? Could you release what's on your mind to the living God? I didn't know that Grace was going to include this in her prayers earlier, but my last point of my sermon is, do you know God's telephone number? Which is Jeremiah 33.3. Easy to remember, because it's not quite 999, it's 333. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you don't know. And as I keep saying, because I find it incredibly important, the objective of these talks week by week is that we might grow closer to Jesus, that he might have access to us, that our lives might change. And usually at the end of a service, I'd like to think that we could offer one another some kind of spiritual support in the way of prayer ministry. But we can't do that at the moment because of COVID restrictions. But it doesn't mean we can't pray to the Lord. It doesn't mean we can't invite him to draw us close to him. So what we're going to do now is um, slightly different from normal. We're going. I'm going to give the blessing, but I've asked Rachel if she would come and lead us in a time of quiet praise from the front here. And during this time, we can use this if you want to, 
we can use this to receive from the Lord and to share our hearts with the Lord. Um, it's going to be very non-directional in the sense that um, I'm not going to ask you to stand or to sit or do anything. You, it's up to you. And you don't have to stay for the whole thing. It, it's going to last between 10 and 15 minutes. But you could think of it so easily as an invitation to come to Jesus. Because he does say to us, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will refresh you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. So, Rachel, if you'd like to come up here, and I'll just lead us in a prayer. And as I say, during the next 10 minutes, if you want to quietly slip out, do. We won't think you're being rude. We know some of you have got commitments. But if you want to just stay and nestle under the shadow of God's wings, do that too. Let me lead us in a prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you that we see in the Psalms that people have been lifting up their eyes to you for generations, believing that help comes from you. And thank you for that. Thank you that you know the secrets of our hearts today. There's nothing that shocks you. Nothing that you say, I'm not powerful enough for that. Or I can't possibly help in that area. Thank you that as you see how flummoxed we are by the coronavirus how put out we are and how it's impacting us all, you say, come to me, come to me, and I can give you help. And we do say to you, Lord, you are the sovereign Lord. You reign, and we choose to believe that you're still the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we're bold to pray even as the disciples prayed, not just Sovereign Lord, but Lord, stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand to heal. Stretch out your hand to give us boldness that we might speak about you in such a time as this. And we ask you, Lord, as your disciples ask you, teach us to pray all over again. Because we don't want to find our prayer lives as sterile, while this crisis goes on, quite the reverse. We want to find that you reignite our ability to connect with you. And we want to discover how to help one another to pray more effectively. And now, Lord, look at us individually and see where we ache and where we're dry. See where we need to come to you afresh and let your streams of Living water, come. Come to the dry bones and bring your nourishment. And I pray your blessing on us, Lord. The blessing of God who is almighty. The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit rest upon us all now and forever. Amen.